This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For years, they've been anticipating this moment. And the first pitch in Double Ray history will go directly to the Hall of Fame. Celebrating 25 years of Tampa Bay Rays baseball. This is the Tampa Bay Rays 25th Anniversary Podcast. Host Neil Solons will be joined by members of the inaugural Hall of Fame class. Towards the alley, Crawford going over, makes a headlong dive, and a sensational flying catch in the alley for one away. We'll also honor the greatest teams, players, and moments in franchise history with special guests along the way. Longoria on the run. He gets there. The Rays are going to the postseason. Swinging a ground ball to second. This should do it. Aki has it. Takes it to second himself. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Swinging a fly ball to right field. He's going to get it. Ben Zobrist is there. And Matt Garza has no hit to Detroit Tigers. It can't happen again, can it? Swing and a drive. Down the right field line. To the corner. It's gone. Are you kidding me? Dan Johnson with two strikes. Two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Has just hit it out. And the Rays are tied at seven. There's still life. Here it comes. Swing a line drive down the left field line towards the corner. This one, it's gone! It's gone! Evan Longoria has just hit the race to the American League wild card. All the way to the wall, it's gone! A home run for Mike Brasso and sweet justice in San Diego. Here's a swing and a drive right center field. Back and it goes, bats to the wall. Get out of here, it's gone! It's a record setting ninth home run this postseason for Randy Arozarena. Swing, line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run. And now they've got a call between third and home. The ball gets away. They just score Rosarena. The Rays have won. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks so much for joining us for our latest 25th anniversary podcast. Uh, from time to time during the course of this season, we're going to do podcasts on players that made a major mark on franchise history and obviously those in the first hall of fame class certainly make sense uh and also fred mcgriff who is going into the baseball hall of fame this summer but this podcast focuses on james shields and you could argue that david price or blake snell who won cy youngs had bigger individual years and maybe in some cases had better overall careers in some regard but james shields and Andy and I have talked about it on the broadcast, was probably the most important pitcher in franchise history because of the tone he set, the culture he established, what he meant to this franchise. And he was a guy who every year would put up 200-plus innings and just set a tone for the organization and, and really changed the way Joe Madden could manage on either side of the day he pitched. So on this podcast, we're going to touch on the career of James Shields, but we're also going to touch on what he did off the field because I thought that less, that left a lasting impact on the franchise too. All the work he did uh, to help 
foster children find their forever families. So on the podcast today, you'll hear from James, a big one-on-one. I'm also going to chat with Jim Hickey. Jim, of course, is now the Nationals pitching coach and was the pitching coach with the Rays in those early years, uh, the first World Series season, etc. all the years that he spent with James Shields. And we're going to talk to two organizations uh, who were impacted by all the work that the Big Game James Club um, did uh, while he was here and really has done since. And obviously that suite has been renamed again uh, back to the Big Game James Club suite uh, and obviously is having a tremendous impact in helping out foster children. But we start with James Shields and begin with what it meant to symbolically retire as a Ray. Oh, man. Um, I actually been wanting to do this for a while. I mean, COVID, when I, when I was done playing, COVID uh, was, a, was an issue. So, um, so they kind of put this on hold. But, um, but yeah, I mean, symbolically, it's, this is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, the Razor had been my family for, for the last 20 years, you know, um, or so. Actually, 23 years to be exact. Um, but, you know, I think I had 12 years total as a Ray. I got drafted as a Ray. Um, you know, I grew up in this organization, and, and uh, it's it's pretty special. I mean, it's, it means a lot. What what was the greatest impact that they had on you? Because you had a really big impact on this organization. Um, you know, all all this coaching staff. Um, you know, just in general in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, I was on the grind for six years, and and. Uh, you know, this whole organization in itself has has prided themselves on uh, creating that young talent, and uh, and and to be a part of that young talent. I mean, there were so many guys when I got called, when I got drafted, um, all the way from '99 to Hamilton and Crawford, and um, me and Baldelli were in the the next class, and BJ and his class, and I mean, there's been so many good players in here that uh, you know that we've all created that bond. Um, that family bond of, of being a Ray and, and getting drafted by the Rays, all from Johnny Gomes, you know, um, coming through. And uh, so it's always been special. It's always been special moments for, for me and my family. We've lived here in uh, Clearwater for eight years um, during our time here. Um, so we have, a, we have a lot of good, good memories. What are the best memories as a player first? Uh, for me, I mean, just, you know, the... Going from a losing culture to a winning culture is my favorite thing that when people always ask me, what's your favorite moment? Well, there's no, there's so many moments, right? It's just, it's, uh, there's so many moments that, that I, I, they're countless, you know, obviously going to the World Series, being able to win, win a game in the World Series was, was unbelievable for me. Um, you know, as a kid, you growing up, you always want to win a game in the World Series and be able to do it for the Rays. I mean, that year in 2008 was just spectacular. The whole entire city just blew up. I mean, everyone was doing mohawks and, you know, um, just really came together. Uh, but that year, going from a losing culture to a winning culture and having it be as sustainable as it is today is, is, is pretty special. Um, ever since 2008, you know, I don't think the Rays have really had a losing season. I don't think, um, and uh, and that's a testament to the front office and and all the guys that they brought in and um, creating that Ray way. Before we get to some 08 moments, you really had to grind to get there. Can you touch on all the injuries? And was there ever a moment where you're like, 
this may or may not happen for me? Because I know that there was a lot of talk within the organization with all the injuries you had. Yeah, I mean, I had surgery. Um, I had a little cyst in my shoulder that ended up getting removed. And while they were in there, they found out I had a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. Um, and then two years later, uh, in 2004, I, I ended up having nerve damage in my neck and muscle disappeared in the back of my shoulder. Um, and uh, the doctors were telling me that nobody's ever, you know, pitched in the big leagues uh, besides, uh, besides Wilson and uh, that had no rotator cup uh, muscle uh, tissue and stuff. And, uh, you know, so I had to fight through a lot of injuries. Um, you know, there was like five and a half years in the minor leagues and, you know, it was a grind. But, I mean, I was always determined to, to make it to the big leagues. And, and once I got there, I really stayed healthy for the most part, you know, so it's, it, was, it was pretty good. I saw you when you were just about to get to the big leagues in AAA Durham, and I remember a conversation I had with now manager Kevin Cash, and he talked to me about, because we didn't know at that point who was going to succeed because they were still then the devil rays. Yeah. And he said, this guy has more pitchability than anyone I've been around. Did you kind of feel like you were going to click going up? And what do you remember about your relationship with Kevin as a player at the time? Um, that's pretty nice of Kevin to say, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, he went and caught me, uh, I think for about a month while, while, while I was up there. Um, you know, his version of pitchability is, is, is my version of outworking everybody. Um, and so, and when I, when I say by that, it's, 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 um, that was, I didn't have the talent that everybody else had. Um, I was a talented pitcher for sure. But there was a lot of other guys that threw harder than me, had better stuff than me. Um, and I think uh, my goal was to outwork everybody. Um, and at least the best of my ability, you know. Um, and I wanted to create that kind of culture here in, in the Rays organization. Um, so when I finally got the call up to, to the big leagues, um, I only had one, one goal in mind was that that was to outwork and outpitch everybody. And, uh, you know, and be a good teammate. And that was, that was my, that was my main, main, main goals. So, yeah. The saying goes, if you don't like it, pitch better. <laughs> a lot of people credit that to you, but it's really from your dad. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my dad, uh, growing up, we, you know, I, I was the youngest of three brothers and, uh, you know, we'd always go to go to the house and we'd complain about this, complain about that. You know, it's so-and-so's fault because that's why I didn't do this. And my dad always just said, hey, that, there's no excuses. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. And if you don't like it, play better. If you don't like it, pitch better. If, if uh, you know, I remember in AAA was, was when he really said it to me is, was I had better numbers than a couple guys that were getting called up. You know, I remember uh, telling him, like, why am I not getting called up? And my dad's like, well, you just got to pitch better. And that kind of resonated with me um, because there is no complaining. I mean, at the end of the day, you only can control the controllables. You only can control what you can control as a player. Um, and, uh, you know, wasting your time complaining about what happened or why did it happen, I was not about that. And so that's, that, that kind of brought that into the big leagues and brought that into our culture as a team. And... Uh, you know, it kind of made us bond a little bit, 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 bit better. Who are you still close to among the group that you played with, especially in that 08 to 12 period? Yeah, I mean, I talked to a lot of the boys over the years, you know, and, and you know, I talked to Price and Garza and, 
you know, BJ, um, uh, you know, over the years I've seen a bunch of guys, Johnny Gomes, I'm in, I'm in contact with, um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, we, we definitely always uh, catch up and keep in touch with each other. Um, it's again, it's a family. I mean, when you're going to battle with these guys and, and being able to create something that's never been done before, um, especially in this organization, in this building, uh, you become, you become brothers for life, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of them. There are a lot of moments that occurred in that 08 season. A lot of people remember you and Coco Crisp. I know you've got some funny stories about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me and Coco. Well, you know, look, it, it's funny because a lot of people, they say that that's the turning point of the season, you know, turning point of, of the organization. Uh, for me, it was actually spring training. Um, you and Elliot Johnson and Chili. Well, Elliot Johnson slid into home plate and and took out Cervelli. Um, and uh, Shelly Duncan decided to slide into Aki at second. And here comes Johnny Gomes from right field. And next thing you know, we're in, we're in a scuffle in spring training. I mean, I mean, nobody who does that, right? Who does that? Well, that's what we were about. And we weren't taking it anymore. And that year, we decided in spring training, before it even started, that we're not the little, little, little stepbrothers of the American League East anymore. We're not going to let these big boys like the Yankees and the Red Sox step all over us. And uh, we, 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 that's, that's what our mentality was. I think the Rays and Joe Madden did a great job bringing in guys like Cliff Floyd and Troy Percival to create that culture, along with Johnny Gomes, Crawford, myself. You know, there's a bunch of guys that really just bought into that. And, um, you know, and it, and it continued throughout the season. It just so happened that, you know, Coco ended up sliding into Aki, almost broke his knee, and I was there the next day to take care of it. So um, we had each other's back, and from then on out, it, there was, there, it was a brotherhood, and it was war. And we were all about kicking their butt on and off the field. And that's what, I, that's what our motto was. But there was a little bit of a fun relationship. You, you ran into him, right? Oh, yeah. No, we, we Coco and I, uh, we grew up in the same, same area in L.A. I actually talked to him the next day after he charged me, asked him why he charged me. And he was like, I don't know. It just hurt. It stung. You know, um, my brother actually pitched against him. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, he, I, I, lo I love Coco. We have a lot of respect for each other. Um, I think it was just kind of one of those moments. And, and to be honest with you, baseball needs stuff like that, you know. Um, I think, that, I think that, that, that has gone gone a little bit away in the game. Um, and we have a respect for each other. I mean, I talked to Coco the next day. Hey, those things happen. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think that's what catapulted our, our Ray way. You had some really big starts. I think the same season, didn't you have a CG? Against Boston too, either here or there. Uh, I threw a few CGs under under my belt, Neil. I don't remember how many uh, I threw that year, but um, I may have thrown a CG there. <laughs> I don't know. As long as I saved the bullpen, that, that's all. That's all that mattered to me. Is there any the World Series start? Do you want to let us know what that was like when you look back at it? Um, I mean, shoot, that's you know the emotional roller coaster. From Game Seven of the ALCS, uh, winning with you know Aki stepping on second, um, Dave Wills just 
announcing that the Rays win, Rays win. I mean, that sticks in your mind. So going into this World Series, um, you know, you, I just sat back and enjoyed the moment. You know, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty surreal. You know, uh, those are those moments when you're a kid and then you grow up and uh, that's what you dream of. And every player in the big leagues, they dream of that same moment. And it was funny, I was watching the, uh, the WBC this year and how spectacular those crowds were and those moments. And that's what we play the game for. So it was really cool. I remember a lot of your big starts, but I also remember your last start because I think it might have been the best I've ever seen you throw. What do you remember about that game to end the 12 season? Yeah, I had a, I had a pretty good feeling that I was going to get uh, traded that offseason. I think I had a lot of talk, talks with Andrew, um, and I don't think Andrew wanted to trade me. Um, so we had, a, we had a lot of talks, and, and, uh, and I had a feeling that that may have been my last one, so I wanted to put every ounce of effort into that last one, and it was my, probably my best pound-for-pound pound outing as a Ray, I think, um, overall. I mean, I was in command from the very first pitch until the very last pitch. And, I, and then, to be honest with you, I think that it was a tie ball game. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I think it was a tie ball game. And I was telling him I was going to go, I can go 10, you know. And so Joe, Joe was hoping that we won, we won that game <laughs> so that he didn't have to throw me out there for the 10th because I wasn't coming out of the game. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a pretty special moment for, for me. Do you remember walking off the field that day thinking and, and what was going through like your head knowing, hey, this is kind of the way I, 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 I left the ring, so to speak here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I was soaking it in for sure. Um, you know, I was enjoying it with my teammates. I mean, David, David Price was step, top stepping me uh, the whole entire time. He was enjoying it. I remember that. Um, all, all my pitching staff was, was enjoying it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, walking off that mound, I mean, it was, it was pretty surreal getting a standing ovation uh, from the crowd. The fans just treated me so well here. Um, so, yeah, it was a cool moment. I want to touch on a couple people. You know, you've touched on David. Um, the Hall of Fame starts this year in this 25th anniversary. Don Zimmer had a really big impact on this franchise. What did he mean to you, and do you have a good story about him? Don Zimmer was my baseball grandpa. He, uh, he, he made every single day worth coming to the ballpark. I came to the ballpark looking forward to the brownies that he would bring from sit and just his energy that he brought to the game, um, how passionate he was for the game. Coming in, he's sitting in the clubhouse in between innings during a game, and he's getting all fired up about the umpire and this and that, and this player did this, and, and you know, it's almost like he was managing a game again. Um, but yeah, he was my baseball grandpa. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I, I, I love being around him. I learned so much about the game, the history of the game, um, old school ways, and that's what, that's what Zim was all about. Carl Crawford was really the first position player homegrown superstar for this organization. What do you remember about your time with CeCe? 
Well, I kind of grew up with CC. Um, he was a little bit. He's always a more, you know, one step ahead of me. Um, but he got, we got, he got. I got drafted the year after he did. Um, he was '99. I was 2000. And uh, you know, CC, CC, and I, we 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 created a really cool bond. Um, you know, he didn't like pitchers too much. <laughs> so the fact that CC liked liked me as a pitcher uh, and as a dude, um, we always had a cool bond together. Um, what an incredible athlete. One of the best athletes I've ever seen. Um, his work ethic, what people don't know about him, what they may know, but, but they have to understand that his work ethic was second to none. He was so consistent in the gym. He outworked everybody. Um, and he was one of those guys that he you knew he was so talented he was gonna make it. I mean, his speed, the raw power, Whenever he hit home, home runs, it was because he wanted to get his 20 home runs for the year. You know, whenever we went into Texas, he wasn't going to steal bases. He was going to try to hit a couple home runs. I mean, the fact that he was calling his season, he's like, I'm going to bat 300, 310 every year, and I'm going to steal 60, 70 bags, and then I'm going to hit 20 home runs, and I'm good to go. <laughs> I mean, that's, what, that's who CC was. Um, but having him in the outfield as a pitcher, between him and BJ and a couple other guys, I mean, there was no, there's nobody better. You touched on some important people, but I think what people appreciate about you is not only your impact in the clubhouse, but off the field too. What did the big game James Sweet and that relationship you had helping foster children find homes mean to you? And how did it start? Well, when I was in the minor leagues, the Rays did a great job of stressing community. Um, you know, as a player, you know, a young player coming into this organization, it's all about the community. And they do a great job of getting the players out into the community. And I was always volunteering to go out into the community, um, help out in any way, whether it's foundation stuff, whether it's just going out and giving, giving back to the community. I think it's super important. Look, we play a game of baseball, right? We entertain, we're entertainers. But for me, your legacy is about giving back to the community because if it wasn't for the fans and the community, we wouldn't be playing this game. And it's super important for that. So my wife and I, got an opportunity to um, do something for a, f a foundation called the Heart Gallery. And what they did was is they, uh, they promoted foster care children to be able to help them get, get uh, forever families and forever homes. And we wanted to be a part of that, so they asked me to do a, uh, a commercial for them. And uh, that commercial turned into a huge um, opportunity to be able to have these kids and host these kids at the stadium and poss possibly get them to have forever families. Uh, at the time, the law in Florida, they weren't allowed to go to these foster care parents were not allowed to take the foster children to, to sports events. And we actually uh, ended up changing the law in Florida for that um, and showed them our program. We ended up getting a, a suite in the stadium and uh, hosted kids every every homestand and you know it was a safe place for someone to go and hang out with the kid and 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 see if they want to adopt a kid and and we were very successful at it so we were very proud of that years later what does it mean to you and ryan 
especially that now the suite is going back to the, the name that was set up for it when you were here? The fact that it's still going is just an amazing thing. Um, look, there's kids all around the world that need a family. And if you can just do one small part and, and, and help a kid get a, get a forever family, I mean, it's, it's great because what it's all about is family. Do you remember conversations you had with kids and then seeing them connected? And what did that all mean to you? Yeah, I mean, look, some of the stories were, were, were heartbreaking, you know? Um, and then some of the stories were just absolutely epic. I mean, these kids, it's amazing when you watch kids go through what they go through and what they see as young, young children and, and, and the adversity that they go through, how resilient kids are. I mean, you, you really do see it and, and you feel very blessed in, in the position that we're in today because um, not a lot of these kids are blessed like that. And, uh, but it's funny because these kids, man, I mean, their spirits are just, they exude out of their, out of their, out of their body. And I mean, they, they're, they're very special kids and uh, you know, I had a lot of good times with them. And to be able to create these moments, right? I mean, some of these kids have never seen a baseball game in their life. And be able to be able to create these moments for these kids they'll never forget in their life. I mean, it's something that's it's the least I could do. Do you see this as part of your and Ryan's legacy with the Rays, so to speak? Uh, I, I think so. You know, I think uh, we like to think of it that way. You know, we, 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 we wanted to create a legacy for ourselves and our family and um, and for these kids, you know, but more importantly, um, it is it is part of our legacy, but the raise the raise organization is a family to us. So we, uh, you know, this this town, this city is a family is family. So, you know, um, I, I hope it's part of our legacy because we really uh, we really embraced it. To be reunited with some of these families again on opening day, can you put in perspective what that means and just to see how far things have come? It's going to be fun. We're, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see where some of these families are and they're at. And, and uh, no, it's cool, man. I mean, this is this is what life's about, you know, is to, is to create these moments um, and to create these opportunities for for these families. And uh, and we're excited. My wife's excited. I got my whole family in town, so um, we're we're excited to to start this 25 years of of the Rays Rays history. You were part of the best part of the history, starting in 08. That's kind of when the worm turned. How do you want what do you want fans to know who may not have seen you pitch? There may be a, a kid who was born in 08 or was just a toddler then, <laughs> and now they're a teenager. What should they know about James Shields? You know, I was always a fierce competitor in between the lines. Um, but I always enjoyed the moment. And that was my, that was my main goal. Um, was no matter how hard you work and how hard you grind, I always enjoyed the moment, so that was one thing. Uh, one thing uh, I would I'd probably say. To see the culture of pitching that has existed since you came through, and to see guys follow, I know you're following the game. So what does it mean to see that? Look, year in and year out, the Rays pitching staff is good. I mean, that makes me feel really good. You know, um, that was our main goal when we first started. Uh, when I got called up in '06, was we're going to create a different culture around here, and we're going to and and we're going to outplay our position players. That was our motto. As long as we play better than our position players, we're going to be successful. Because hitting's hard. 
Pitching's hard don't, as well, don't get me wrong, but we're gonna outplay our position players and say, and we wanted to create this pitching staff to where we created this culture where we always out we always outplayed our position players. And year in and year out, the Rays always just produce. Um, but that's a testament to the front office. I mean, look, you can have these these pitching staffs, but to be able to be sustainable as 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 long as the Rays have, it's incredible. There's no other organization that, that is, is that sustainable with the pitching staff that the Rays have um, year in and year out. And uh, that's a testament to the scouting department. Um, you know, Eric's done a great job of, of uh, continuing that in that way. So it's been, it's been fun to watch. Well, um, you were fun to watch when you were here. I'm sure we're, it's not long before we're talking about you as part of the Hall of Fame class of whatever year it is. I hope you enjoy this opening weekend, and we look forward to seeing you back here. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it, man. That's James Shields, and certainly great stuff from him. Remarkably genuine um, and, and just a wonderful conversation. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And I was kind of curious when I was in the nation's capital and had a chance to sit down with Jim Hickey, now the Nationals pitching coach, and of course, a former and longtime Rays pitching coach, about what it was like when he first met or first recalled sitting down with James Shields. I'm not so sure about the first time that I actually met him, but the first spring that we were together in 2007, which was my first year as a Ray also, we had a rain out, a, a workout got rained out, so we had uh, what I call a brain rain, where we just got into a room and just started talking about certain things. And we started talking about, uh, in my opinion anyway, the importance of holding runners on at first base. And my spiel is always, we're just trying to hold them on. We're not trying to pick them off. We're not going to pick them off. And unbeknownst to me, Shields, so I said, who picked somebody off last year? And two or three guys raised their hands. And he was one of them. I said, how many guys did you pick off? And he said, 12. <laughs> and, and I about, uh, uh, you know, I, I busted out laughing like that, too. I thought he was joking. But, you know, of course, that was one of his uh, signature moves was the ability to pick somebody off of first base. So maybe not my first introduction to him, but certainly the most memorable. <laughs> Pretty good story. And I'm sure you have many others about him. I, I consider him... Maybe not the best pitcher the Rays ever had, but maybe one of the most important pitchers, if not the most important, in terms of kind of setting the tone for that culture. I would agree with that 100%. Uh, maybe not the best pitcher, probably the most productive pitcher for the longest period of time, but I would agree with what you said, uh, the most important, the most uh, transformative pitcher. You know, he was part of those, you know, awful clubs in 2006 and 2007, and then was front and center as things turned around. You know, think, you know, this particular team, this Washington Nationals team right now is uh, in a similar place, and we won 57 ball games last year. And, you know, you talk about trying to win 10 more, 15 would be really difficult. Well, that 08 Rays team, it won 30 more ball games. And uh, the point is, he was instrumental in that, no question. 
what made him so special to you? What and, and what did he establish that obviously still exists today for the starting pitchers in this organization? Competitiveness, that's what made him really special. You know, most all players at this level are certainly competitive in some form or another, but he was just, uh, he took it to another level. Uh, and, and the competition wasn't really against anybody else necessarily. It was just, you know, within himself, um, just a lot of pride, uh, a lot of preparation, a lot of the same things that, you know, everybody else in this league does, but maybe just to a different level, a different extent. He was a guy who you could almost guarantee was going to give you 200 innings. When did that, you know, when did you have that trust or belief that he was going to do that? Because that's a rarity in today's day and age. Well, it's a, it's a definite rarity in today's day and age. And we, we trusted James, let's just say in 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, but Joe didn't really like him after 100 pitches. You know, I'm not saying he didn't like him. He just, he, he, he was a little nervous after 100 pitches. So he would have a tendency to take him out of the game. And we have these interviews, assessments, if you will, as we come into spring training every year, player strengths, players' weaknesses, what does the player want to do, what does he want to improve upon, et cetera. And one of the things that James told Joe was that he wanted an opportunity to finish games, uh, to throw complete games. And uh, Joe gave him that opportunity, and lo and behold, that was the year he threw 11 complete games, including four shutouts. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he threw eight and two-thirds of an inning on two separate occasions, too. So he was one out away from 13 complete games. Um, but I will kind of go back to what you mentioned earlier. Um, he, he changed when, when he and David uh, Price became, you know, the, the studs that they were. It, it changed everything in terms of how you handled the whole entire pitching staff because we knew on back-to-back -back nights that we were getting 21 outs out of both of these pitchers and we could use the bullpen accordingly, um, you know, not to disparage Jeremy Hellickson or anybody else, but if Jeremy Hellickson, you know, who wasn't going to give you that type of length, uh, if he went five innings, now we knew we could go to the bullpen um, with knowing the next night and the night after that that we were going to probably get a good solid seven innings out of the starters. Um, so that, that was a huge, huge difference. Hick, when did you remember or, or see, hey, this guy is the guy? Uh, relatively early in the 2007 season, we were playing the Minnesota Twins, who at that time, uh, you know, they were boasting MVPs and Cy Young Award winners and Silver Sluggers, you know, Morneau and uh, Maurer and, uh, you know, those a bunch of big hitters. And we were still the Rays, you know, we were still the team that uh, had lost, uh, you know, we were getting ready to lose 96 ball games that year. But it was bases loaded and nobody out, and it was Maurer and it was Morneau coming up, one, 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 one order or the other. And of course, he's on the ropes and he's got a really good chance to get knocked out of the ball game. And he throws these nasty change-ups and strikes one out. And then he gets more no to hit into an inning-ending double play ball. And uh, they didn't score. And I can't even remember, honestly, if we went on to win that game or not. I think that we did. But it was in that instant right there where I said, you know, this guy is legitimate. He's the real deal and he's going to have a nice career. He had many great starts. His last start against Baltimore, he lost a one nothing game but struck out 15, and I thought that was the best he ever looked. That was one of the best games he ever pitched, absolutely, and I can remember also clearly the one to nothing was the home run way deep to center field by uh, Chris Davis. I believe Chris is his first name. Um, and a bunch of other stuff happened in that game, too, that was memorable, but that was absolutely positively one of the best games he's ever pitched.
Really great perspective from Jim Hickey, again, longtime Rays pitching coach and now the pitching coach of the Nationals. And now we turn to the work that James Shields did off the field and obviously helping foster children find their forever families. Uh, we're first going to chat with the Hart Gallery, uh, and they were uh, at the ballpark on opening day. And uh, Nicole Williams and Taylor Adams are the individuals you're going to hear from. Nicole is the program director of the Hart Gallery, and Taylor Adams uh, is a coordinator with the Hart, Hart Gallery. And I asked a little bit about uh, the impact that James had uh, and, and what it's meant to the Hart Gallery overall. What's amazing for athletes is they can really use that platform um, in a lot of different ways. And for James to have chosen to do that by giving of his heart um, and his passion, that really is rare, you know, for someone to go above and beyond and really set themselves to not only be a role model, but be a positive influence and a force in creating family, you know, and family is everything, especially for a child. Um, and for him to put so much energy and so much of himself into uh, that gift of creating family is really a beautiful thing. I think, I mean, Nicole pretty much summed it up. It's, it's very cool to have someone that has uh, so much influence and so many eyes on them to care so deeply about a subject like this, because there's a lot of times I feel that a hard subject can be avoided. Um, but something as important as this is creating families and finding where you belong. It's, it's super exciting to have, um, someone like that involved. What did the opening day event mean to the organization, the Hart Gallery, and how did it touch the families who attended and the, and the children who attended? Yeah, um, it was amazing for both sides. I mean, we are always at the Hart Gallery super excited to be able to share all sorts of, of raise games and um, things like that with our families, because there's sometimes when, you know, they don't, they aren't able to afford or they don't have access to big events like that, especially like opening day. Um, and the Rays are so generous. And so having someone from that organization so deeply involved um, is, is very cool. And uh, just getting to offer this to them and seeing them, you know, meet DJ Kitty, seeing the kids get to um, hang out and, and just you know, tear apart the food and just screaming and cheering for all of the Rays players. Um, it's super amazing and impactful just to be able to, to give them this incredible experience, not only um, to get to meet them and see them for ourselves, but also to bond as a family and meet other families in the area. And if I, if I can add, I think a lot of what children in general, but foster children in particular, um, or those that are waiting to be adopted struggle with is, is that feeling of belonging somewhere. Um, and so to have an athlete <laughs> in the flesh, um, being emotional and compassionate with them, you know, really gives them like, Hey, this important person cares about me and is is giving me messages that I'm worthy and I belong. Um, so I think for us to do this work, we live for those moments. 
um, because it's purposeful, um, but for the children to have even just that one moment, you know, makes all the difference in the world. Um, and it, it was good for former foster parents too. former foster parent was able to connect um, with James and his wife, and you could just see the emotion and the love. Um, so I got goosebumps multiple times. I know Taylor did too. You know, that's why we do what we do. Um, because it reminds us that there are individuals in the community that want to help and, and are really making a huge difference. On that end, how does it help create more awareness for what the Heart Gallery does and also for your mission and maybe encourages others to get involved? I love that question. Um, and of course, having the raised support and backing for all these years, um, you know, you're putting baseball behind um, the most American thing of family, right? And so it, it just, it helps us so much to be so public um, and so normal, right? Like what's more normal than a baseball game and a hot dog with your family? Um, and I think that's why we really like it is it gives this normal experience to an experience that is not normal <laughs> um, and brings people together. And I think provides a safe way for the community to start to get involved. You know, they say, hey, I'm going to attend a baseball game. And maybe that opens up a conversation. And maybe they decide they want to donate or they want to volunteer just by way of making that connection of bringing us together to enjoy a game. Have you found a lot of that or heard about a lot of stories over the years that James's involvement may have brought some other people through the door or may have helped connect families to people that they may not have otherwise? Yes. Um, and I actually, in my personal life, am dear friends with someone that was a uh, the adoption supervisor for one of our agencies. And she remembers James and being in his presence and having children that she was bringing to the games and how all those kids were just in awe um, and just felt so special and unique. Um, and I think, you know, even yesterday, just having the children there and realizing it was such a moment for them. And as we carry that forward, um, James will continue not only directly, but to indirectly build those connections because we can carry those stories forward. And how great a need is there for foster families here in Tampa Bay? I, I Give us an idea for our listeners how wide an area you guys are servicing and, and how many connections you're making on an annual basis. Huge, huge, huge need. Um, on the foster care side, I can tell you, um, we definitely don't have enough foster families to support the needs of children coming into care. Um, family support services is doing a great job of kind of turning that around. Um, but this year we have seen the highest numbers in terms of children entering the foster care system. Um, and I can tell you that currently, not even just foster care, but if we're just looking at it adoption, we have over 300 children that are waiting for their forever families. Um, that's a lot of kids. Um, and that's just this year. So it's a huge need, um, not only to foster, 
but then to take a further step and be that forever family. And heartgallery.org is the best way to get involved if our listeners decide they want to do so in some way. Heartgallerykids.org. Yes, you got it. Wonderful to chat with both Nicole and Taylor about the impact the Heart Gallery has seen over the years with the Rays and James Shields' work uh, with for, uh, foster children for finding their forever family. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families, and next up in that same vein is Jacqueline Citarella. She's Community Engagement and Recruit Manager for Family Support Services. And Jennifer Ross, Background Screening Supervisor for Family Support Services as well. Uh, Jennifer has been with the Big Game James Club since the beginning. Um, I would say with James and Ryan, you can feel their passion with the club, with the kids and the community. They're always genuine and welcoming to our services, to the kids in care, just to the community in general. And tell us how it's really helped uh, raise awareness in some way, shape or form regarding uh, the need for finding forever families for foster children. Okay, so I've witnessed firsthand the bond that it can build with the type of community and activities for example, we have first um, families that have been act- actively participants in the club. Um, they participated for about 13 seasons. And at the beginning, they were fostering the children and now have since adopted their those children and other children. Um, I feel they have a bonding experience as part of um, making that happen with our kids. They, um, see, that's just one example of how meaningful the partnership in our community is. And you go all the way back to the beginning of this program, correct? Correct. Yes. So when can you take started. us back to when it started and and what you were thinking when something like this was created and how it's really evolved over the years? Um, well, you put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> wasn't prepared for that one. Um, so since the beginning, you can see... Like we've had kids that go there and when they come, they like they feel like they're VIPs because they go up to a special um, elevator. They go in special entrances. They get this food. They can sit in a box. I mean, these are things that they may never experience ever, even going to a game. Um, you can, um, let's see, try to think very bad, far back because, you know, that's a long time ago. Um, so like when it first started, we were on the field a lot and then COVID hit. So that kind of, you know, took away from that experience. But when we were on the field, definitely when James was there, he would take the kids to the dugout. He would give them snacks. He would show them what they do with the sunflower seeds and the pop or the bubble gum. And he always brought in other players. So the kids were able to get balls signed, bat signed, taking pictures with them. They just felt like they were the special VIP people. And, you know, so it was, it was nice. How rare is that for um, to see that connection with an athlete to foster children? And what is it meant to family support services to have something like that in this area and, and have that legacy, so to speak? I don't, Jacqueline, I don't know how often it happens. Do you know? Yeah, so tr- truly, you know, we're better together. Um, partnerships is essential component of a healthy system of care. 
And this partnership, um, being our first professional athlete in the race to really open up to the system of care and especially our children and families is one of a kind and unique. Um, and to see the legacy of over 10 years, this continue. And I personally had the opportunity to witness my first experience of the game and meet the Shields. And it was so impactful to me in seeing the kids' faces um, lost for words of what it means. How do you think that will help going forward, help continue to raise awareness? Because I'm sure there's a great need within Pinellas County, especially and Pasco County to find families for foster children. Yeah. So with us, you know, our ultimate goal is to quickly get our local children to permacy while keeping them connected to their family roots when possible, whether that means safely reunited with their family or matched with a loving adoptive home. During their transition, we always ensure that the temporary placement is positive, supportive, and impactful. So that's where really these, these relationships um, create that healthy system. And for our temporary placements, we are still in need of quality foster parents. Um, so if there's anybody who is ever interested in fostering, um, we can surely share additional information. And you know, hopefully this inspires um, other professional athletes um, to join the Shields or, you know, seeing this experience um, and the impact that it makes on the community um, to join that. And I would guess this just that one day alone to have the, the club renamed was awful special, probably for both of you and probably for a lot of the kids that were there, right? Yes. Yes. So for me, I feel like James, it should be a proud moment for his legacy carrying on. And then for me personally, as one of the first participants in the club, um, it's satisfying to see it return to his original name because of knowing James and Ryan's intention with starting the club and how it's meant for the foster children in our community. And is there anything else that you think stands out just in the way that this whole connection was created or memories of, of, of this program that you think really mean a lot and are important for our fans to know? If they... So I could give you like a story. There's this one um, that always stands out to me, and I always tell this story because it's always so touching. Um, this one little girl, she had sensory issues. She would come to the game with headphones on anytime that a loud noise, especially when uh, we got a home run and that horn went off, it scared her to death. She would jump. She would hide. Um, after a couple of seasons, you wouldn't even recognize her anymore. She does not even wear the headphones anymore. She's yelling, finish them. She's singing the seventh, seventh inning stretch. She's cheering. She's jumping up and down and it doesn't bother her anymore. Like so I get goosebumps every time I tell this story. Like, So really having this program is in essence helped change that child's life and probably several others. Yes. We also had another kid that would sit in the corner and be shy, wouldn't say anything. By the end of that season, he was talking to every kid in the box. He was yelling at the Rays, you know, rooting for them, everything. So yeah, it brings a lot of them out of their shell. It also brings a lot of sense for the families. Because with our club, it's the same kids that go for one. Um, we could do like four different teams and they're the same families that go for each one of them. So it's like a bonding experience for the kids. So they'll meet new people. And same thing with the parents. It gives them a support system. So they're able to talk to each other. They've come out there with play dates. They've come out there as being best friends. So it's also growing in the community together with our foster parents. Great to have a conversation with both Jacqueline and Jennifer of Family Support Services. 
And certainly all of our guests, we appreciate their time, especially James Shields uh, for donating his time for this special podcast today. We will have future 25th anniversary podcasts throughout the course of the season. We're so happy you could join us for this one, and we will chat with you soon.